Turn in your Bibles, please, if uh, you have them with you, to Ephesians chapter 1. And Pastor Luke shared out of Ephesians today in the first service. Great message for us. Uh, If you do podcasts, I recommend you listen to that, and uh, it'll bless you for sure. And I'm going to talk today, since it's family day, I'm going to talk about how we build families. And it's not like, uh, I got one point. I got one point. I'll give that to you later, so you got to pay attention, all right? I'll, I'll warn you ahead of time. But the title of the message is, Satisfaction in God Builds Solid Families. Satisfaction in God Builds Solid Families. So let me read this text to you. Uh, they should have it up on the screens for you to follow along if you don't have your Bible. Reading from the New King James. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That is Jesus, the beloved. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory." That's one sentence in the Greek. (laughs) That's one sentence in the Greek. And you know, when the Greek was written, the paper, parchment that they wrote on was so valuable and precious that they they didn't capitalize, they didn't punctuate, and there were no spaces between the words. And somehow, they translated it out for us in English. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. And it's a lofty, lofty, one of the loftiest pieces in all of literature, we just read to you, and in the entire book of Ephesians. This passage, this passage I read to you, is the doctrine of the gospel. You have the gospel in, four, in uh, 12 verses there. 12 verses, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is not what we do for God. The gospel is what God has done for us. Amen? This passage was written, or this whole book was written from prison. He starts out, uh, tell, or he, he starts out in, in chapter 4 talking about he's a prisoner. 
in chains for being a minister of the gospel. And Paul was not ashamed to be a prisoner. You know, uh, back in those days, as is sometimes today, uh, if you are a convict, if you are in jail and you get out, people will not hire you. People are afraid of you. People are ashamed of you. And uh, you freak some people out if you've been in jail. And, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> my, I got a testimony. I, I, I've been in jail more than once. Okay, I was a heathen, all right? But God picked me from darkness and put me into the kingdom of his dear son. He's shown me the light. And, uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced I would be dead today if it wasn't for Jesus intervening in my life some 36 years ago. And I praise God every day for it. Uh, it this this uh, passage here describes God's sovereign work in the church what he does for the church. It reveals the things God prepared for those who love him. This passage, we find the foundation of our worship. And that's part of the main point. I got lots of uh, roads that lead to the one point today is that the foundation of, of our worship is gratitude for what God has done for us. Our worship is the expression of the gratitude for who God is and what he's done for us. True worship is the acknowledgement of God and all his power and all his glory in everything that we do. So worship isn't just what we experienced for the first 25 minutes of our service. That was part of it. That was part of it. But more than that, true worship is how you live your life. True worship is how you think. True worship is what you communicate to others if it's in Christ. That's how we worship the Lord. True worship shows loyalty and admiration admiration for our Father. True worship results from being fully satisfied in God. That's how we become true worshipers. So I don't, I mean, we can go to conferences and we, many times, uh, those of us who are in uh, music ministry as singers or uh, tech or uh, instrumentalists, we go to these breakout sessions and they'll give you these pointers on how to be better at what you're doing. I'm not going to give you those pointers today about being better a better dad or a better mom or anything. It's all one point to be a true worshiper. But I got a lot to say about that. So raising a family starts and ends in the home. Would everybody agree to that? And what I mean by that is that church, of course, you come to church and some come more often than others. Some don't come at all. There are many families in America and around the world that they are not spiritual in any way. But church is an important aid because it helps uh, kids to come together in the unity of the faith. They have a teacher. That teacher uh, schools all of them in, in one thought. They can communicate with one another. They learn how to socialize and get along. And we do too. We come in, we sit under uh, a speaker that, it, that is hopefully 
preaching you the, the accurate word of God, it's a, it's a heavy responsibility. It's a serious responsibility. And church is important. In school, if it's focused on academics, not politics or social whims and notions, is also an important tool. Some of you homeschool, and my hat is, goes off to you for that. Uh, it's, it's a difficult job. And some of you send your kids to school, to a public school or to a private school, and my hat goes off to you because that's sometimes difficult because you're not sure what they're being taught. So that's why it's so important to teach spiritual truth in your home. And you start doing this really whenever, in fact, they can't even walk. You're holding them in your arms. And you know what? You can minister the gospel to your children just by loving them, by holding them, by assuring them that you love them and they are safe with you. It all starts there. I remember, uh, now I was a heathen when my kids were born, and uh, I was a bad boy. I mean, I was a bad boy. And, but I still had this responsibility, I guess. Maybe I learned it from my parents, because I still remember going down to the corner and waiting for my dad to come home from work. He was pretty regular, just about every, every day. He, I could, within five minutes, my dad would come around that corner. And he'd stop, and I'd get in the car, because I wanted to be with my dad. And he wanted me to be with him. And then he'd go in the house, and he'd sit down and get the newspaper, and I'd snuggle right up next to him. And then we'd do the crossword puzzle together. We'd, he'd read the sports section to me, and we'd talk about some things. I just... Loved being next to my dad, and he loved me being next to him, and it just it solidified security in my heart. And these are the things we do, even when your babies are days old, moms and dads. And then I would take my kids, and I would get these these illustrated books, and lots of pictures. It might be an apple, it might be a cucumber, it might be a tree. It wasn't a burning bush. <laughs> if I'd have been saved, that would have been in there. <laughs> the burning bush is an amazing story. I'll tell you, our God is a consuming fire, but he did not consume that bush because it was him. He, was, he, was that, he manifested himself as a burning bush, and he's never extinguished. He never gets consumed himself. He's always ever-present and full of power full of glory. He never gets tired. And I would point to these pictures, and of course, my kids, they, were, they learned to talk pretty early in life. They were pretty bright. I, they got it from their mother, I'm sure. But, uh, and I, I could point these pictures out if they had the name underneath. I wouldn't be able to remember them myself, but they, I could read the name, and, I'd, and they had all these names for these characters. And it's amazing how fast my kids, I could point to that hooligan, Hepzibah, all these crazy names. It wasn't like Tim and John and Laura. It was all these weird names. And they could remember those things. They absorb from their parents. And that's a good thing, and it can be a bad thing too. And that's why I believe that if we're satisfied in God, we can build strong 
families. Parents should never expect church and school to be the sole sources of spiritual and academic principles for their kids. They need to initiate these concepts at home in the earliest stages of life. Children learn about life and living from their parents, especially early in life, and parents have that vital responsibility to help their kids get off to a good start. How many know that getting off to a good start is very important? If you're a sports fan like me, you know, you get going. I've been a Detroit Lions fan for a long time, and it's, I don't know, I always have hope at the beginning of the season, you know. And sometimes they start off really well. So starting off really well doesn't mean you'll finish well, but it does give you a head start, right? And uh, if you go out in front and you build up a 21-point lead, it's going to be a lot easier, hopefully, for you to win the game. And we want to give our kids every advantage that they can because it's a tough world out there. You know that. The best way to raise children is to be true worshipers of God, mom and dad, grandparents. How many grandparents in here today? Let's see. All right. My hand's up too. Grandparenting is what the reward you give those grandchildren or the reward you get for not killing your children. (laughs) Pastor John Piper said that 99% of a parent's actions that influence their children are un premeditated. 99%. So all these things you do in a day, that's what teach, and and unthought, you know, it's not like planning dinner or planning to take a vacation or planning to have ice cream or planning to take your kids to the amusement park. None of that. That's only 1%. It's the way you react to positive and negative situations. Kids catch on to your posture, your tone of voice, your gestures, and the other spontaneous reactions you show every day. And this is also what John Piper says, Pastor Pastor Piper says that children imitate what they see in you, primarily the things that make you happiest. Isn't that something? The things that make you happiest. They really catch on to that. So maybe you're, uh, maybe you like disc golf, like Pastor Evan, like disc golf. I've never played that. I've played regular golf, and I like to fish, and my kids catch on to that, and my grandchild is caught on to that. It makes me happy, especially when I catch fish, but it makes me happy even when I don't catch fish. I just love fishing. So what, the things that make you happy That's what really influences your kids. So do things that make you happy in front of your kids and share it with them. That is good ministry to your kids. The key to living out a godly example before your children isn't what you do as much as who you are because who you are determines what you do. Fish swim, right? They don't, they just do it. And birds, I mean, I, I went out to see my, my uh, daughter and son-in-law uh, a couple weeks ago, and I can't fly out there on my own. I'd be on the ground just looking like a fool, 
But we've made, we've made machines that can do that and take you. But a bird doesn't think about that. How am I going to fly? They just start flying. And when they want to move, they fly. And a dog barks. And pigs snort and get dirty. And that's because that's who they are. And sinners sin because they're sinners. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. And if you're a child of God, you do what children of God do. If you read the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters is the blessings that God has bestowed upon his church. That is believers. The second, it's just like a book. Chapter four through six then says, this is what Christians do. This is what God has made us. This is what you do. It's because you're this that you do this. But too many times, I think, we're all about, I got to do this, or I got to do that, or I can't do that. And that's a lot of, a lot of times why people don't come to Christ, because that's the notion they get. Because a lot of Christians display that, or they communicate that. That it's all about, doing. oh, no, I can't do that. Now, don't get me wrong, there are things that we should not do. Like, uh, okay, God, it says in the Word that, uh, that you, you send angels to give charge over me and they, I won't, they won't let me dash my foot against a stone. So I'm going to jump off the, entire, uh, the Empire State Building and you'll take care of me. Nah. No. No. Because the devil tempted Jesus to do something just like that. And he said, no, you don't tempt the Lord your God. You don't tempt the Lord your God. So there's certain things we should not do, obviously. We all know that, right? But are you fully satisfied in God? I'm asking you that question today. Are you fully satisfied in God? I don't know how many people in this room could answer affirmatively to that. I'm challenged by that. I'm challenged by that question. And I preach messages up here when I get the opportunity. These messages are what God is speaking in my life. That's, I, feel, I feel like if God's speaking this to me, maybe somebody else can use it. Are you fully satisfied in God? Are you fully consumed with God? Happy. No matter what you're going through, because you're his son or his daughter. Ask yourself that question. Because you're, you get fully satisfied in God when you live a life of worship. Now this isn't a selfish or a macabre thing to say about the Lord. But God is fully satisfied in himself. He loves himself fully. We would think that's weird, right? For if, if I said, oh, I'm totally satisfied in myself. I'm great, awesome, and I love myself so much. I'd get some funny looks, and probably people would be going the other way. But that's true about God. He is so complete. So perfect in every way. Nothing can be added to him. He is fully satisfied in himself. And guess what? He wants to share that with us. 
He wants to share it with us. He's so satisfied with himself. He's so full of love. So full of power. So full of mercy and grace. That he actually created the universe and everything in it out of love and to the praise of his glory. Out of satisfaction in himself. Because he wanted to share his glory with his creation. God wants the glory. Isaiah 48, 11, the last part of that verse says, I will not give my glory to another. And we just have to be careful how we read that. In other words, if I'm giving glory to something other than God, that is not good. But God wants to share his glory. He's not selfish about it. You understand the difference? He doesn't want me worshiping putting all my heart, mind, soul, and strength into my hobby or my job or my message even. He wants to be the object of my worship. And he doesn't want to share that glory with anyone else. God is so satisfied in his own glory that he devotes all his energy to make his glory known. Isn't that something? To make all his glory known. He wants to show off his glory so we might experience and share it with him. The Lord does everything for his glory. Everything for his glory. In turn, parents should experience and share God's glory with their children. Now, one of the first, an idea to know that if you're that you are fully satisfied in God or that you are a true worshiper of God that is you will hunger and thirst after God like he is more essential than air water and food like the song we sang he's more than that he's he's the air i breathe he's given us the breath to breathe he's given us the food to eat He's given us the water to drink. It all comes from him, our source. And we should give him praise and glory for it because a lot of times I think myself, I I take it for granted. The power goes out. Now I got to get the generator up. Instead of saying, I'm so glad I got a generator. You know what I mean? Oh, I got to go downstairs and pull this raining outside. It's a matter of perspective. I've been to places on this earth. Power, electricity, what's that? Clean water, what's that? Paradigm shift. Change your thought pattern. Be grateful. A true worshiper is grateful all the time. So that probably disqualifies me. But God's still working on me, all right? Be gracious to me. God's still working on me. He's still working on you, too. I'll be gracious to you, too, because I know you're guilty as well. (laughs) I'm not the only guilty one in this room. (laughs) So when we hunger and thirst after God like he's more essential than air, water, and food, he will fill us. Pastor Luke read the Beatitudes in the the first service, and it says that, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
They shall be filled. When God says it, you can count on it. You can trust him. Are you experiencing the glory of the Lord? There's a lot of different ways to experience God's glory. We're all different. We're all created different. We all have different talents and abilities. We all have different desires and skills and hobbies. I see God's glory in nature. That's probably the key for me. There's nothing better for me to sit on a lake. I don't even have to have the fishing rod in my hand, but it helps. I don't even have to have a fish bite, but it helps. It doesn't even have to be sunny and bright, but it helps. There's nothing better. And I I see all the things in the water. I see the eagle soaring above me, way up above me. I see the loons and hear them. I see all the different types of fish. Have you ever been to like the Caribbean or a place like that where there's super clear water and you can snorkel or, or scuba dive and see the myriad fish of all these amazing colors? Have you ever been to the Amazon jungle and see all these insects that they have grasshoppers that are, I'm telling you, they're psychedelic. They're orange and red and green and brown and yellow and they're almost like fluorescent. There are butterflies that are this big, bright blue, iridescent blue that fly around. There there are flowers and the colors. And in the night sky, to be in, in the Amazon jungle where there's no light, there's no ambient light to water down, if you will, the sky. And it's like there's hardly any black patches in the sky. It's so full of stars. And to see that for the first time, it's, I'm awestruck. And the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. He made all that. Psalm 97 says, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. All of us have the opportunity to see his glory. Are you appreciating his glory? Thank you. Yes. And maybe you see it in different ways. Romans chapter 1 says, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So we see the glory of God in things that he made. And we understand that it was he, even though we don't see him, we know there was a great designer of all this. Have you ever considered a feather? It's an amazing, amazing little part of a bird. So light, the quill is hollow, and it gives perfect insulation. You ever, you, use, you ever have a down jacket? Those things are warm. And God created these things so these birds could be buoyant, float on the water, 
Not get cold. They could be out there in 32 degree water that hasn't frozen yet. And they're perfectly happy. Because God created them specially. If you ever examine a feather, especially like a down feather, it's so fine and intricate. It's amazing. If you take the time to appreciate the creation. Take time. Don't go through life without appreciating the simple things, the things that are at our hand at, every, at any time. You can pick a feather up. I bet you if you went outside here, you'd find one. I see the glory of God in lives changed by the power of, of God through the gospel. The glory of God. I see the glory of God in his word. And I see the glory of God in the cross. And those are just a few examples. So how do we become true worshipers of God? Now this isn't a how-to thing. Because I want to stress to you this, this point. This is the point. If you hear and understand nothing else today, know this. It is not about what we do. It is about what God has done for us. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. It's not about what you do. Because if you understand what God has done for us, then you'll do certain things. I'm telling you, it'll get in your heart and you won't be able to hold it in. You'll express it in true worship by the way you behave, by the way you act. By the way, you treat the other driver that just cut you off. He's still working on me. I defer back to our text, even though I'm not going to read them, uh, all those verses. But I wrote down some, some of the things that are written in verses 3 to 14. These are blessings from God the Father, blessings from God the Son, and blessings from God the Holy Spirit. We've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you read that passage, notice how many times he said, in him or in Christ. He repeats it over and over. So the Father's given us every spiritual blessing in his Son. He chose us. Like all these billions of people that have ever lived. He chose you, Rebecca. He chose you, Abby. Amen? He chose me. Now, I'm not boasting about it. I'm humbled by it. I'm totally humbled. What? You would choose me? Who am I? Who is Son of Man? That God would be mindful of him. He is so much more glorious than us, yet he stoops down and humbled himself, became a man, lived a perfect life, and died a horrible death. (laughs) We might be saved because he chose us. He adopted us. Say what? Anybody here have adopted children? Anybody? Awesome. Now, here's the difference, and it's very difficult to adopt a child these days. Very difficult, from what I understand. Your biological children, you know how they came about. Now, there are different, different ways to help couples who cannot have children. 
But generally speaking, mom and dad come together and they make babies. Okay? That's, that's the rated G version. <laughs> but adoption is so much different. You don't, you don't choose your biological children. You don't say, okay, let's make uh, my oldest daughter's name's Carrie. We're going to make Carrie. We're going to have a girl. She's going to grow up to be five feet, five inches tall. She's going to have brown hair and uh, brown eyes and eh, nope, sorry. But when you adopt, you choose. We want this child. We want this one. And we'll pay thousands of dollars, travel across the world sometimes. And some people do this just to foster children. Wonderful hearts. It costs a fortune. It costs a lot of time. And they chose. It makes an adopted child, I think, even more special. Not any more loved or any, any less loved, but more special than a biological child because you chose that one. You chose to be the parents of that child. He declared us holy and without blame. Holy and without blame to the praise of his glory. Amen? We, we can't make ourselves holy. He gave the law and the law was perfect and the law was given to lead us to Christ because anybody in their right mind knows that you can't keep the law because we got these minds that think of filth sometimes and we tell lies and we do bad stuff. (laughs) And even if we could, we were born in sin anyway, so we need a Savior, amen? We need a Savior. Thank you, Jesus. He accepted us in the Beloved who is Jesus. We're accepted in God's sight. Fully accepted. No conditions. He redeemed us. That means he paid for us. The whole message on redemption could be done. But uh, it means he paid a big price. You're not your own, the Bible says. You're not your own because you've been bought with a price. That price was the death of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven our sins. Amen? Wow. Forgiven our sins. Past, present, future, he's forgiven our sins. Now, let me stop here and challenge you. Knowing that God has done this for you, I'm going to step on some toes now. Are you quick to forgive? The worst thing that's ever been done to you in your life, have you forgiven that? Forgiveness doesn't mean that the person should just go free and not uh, pay for what they've done in the justice system. Or if they don't come to Jesus... God will take care of that at the right time. 
But I'll tell you, if, if you're living with unforgiveness in your heart toward even the worst and heinous offense against you, you're, n- you're not the person you should be. You'll never reach your potential. You'll never reach your potential until you can, by faith, with the help of God, to forgive. You forgive by faith. And no one said that, okay, I believe, Lord, I believe I'm going to forgive this person who raped me. And it's done. I'm not saying that. You you got by faith, you have to forgive. And then it's going to come back. It could come back. And you, you, you just got to agree to forgive and forgive and forgive. Remember, Peter asked, how many times should I forgive? Seven? He thought he was like being out, outrageous. Seven times for the same sin, by the way. And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. That was Jesus saying when you get to 491, no more forgiveness? No. <laughs> That's not what he's saying, but... It's hyperbole, what he was using. You continually forgive because how many sins do you think your heavenly father has forgiven you in Christ? How many? Can you count them? I'm 67 years old. I'm pretty sure that if you're seven, I got you beat. I got you beat. And, and you know, and I don't make light of sin because uh, I, don't, I don't trample on the grace of God because, because oh, I, I should sin because the grace of God abounds and, and, and erases that sin so I can just go ahead and sin? No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what the Bible says. Oh, I'm so grateful that God has forgiven our sins. He gives us wisdom and prudence. He reveals to us the mystery of his will. He has gathered us together in Christ as a church. And he's going to, one day, those of us who are on earth and those who have gone on before us He's going to unite us all together to the praise of his glory. He has given us his Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he said, it's expedient for me to leave because God was with you. Jesus be along with his disciples, but God will be in you. The promise of the Holy Spirit. He has sealed our destiny in the Spirit and guaranteed our inheritance by the down payment of the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of Christ is not in you, you are none of His. And so, He gives us His Spirit as a, the King James calls it the earnest or down payment. Like you would if you were going to buy a car or a house. Most people who loan money say, no, you got to put something up front to show that you're serious about what you want to purchase. Though you just won't walk away or not take care of that property once you have taken possession of it. So God has given us the guarantee that we're going to be glorified in eternity because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? It's all about God. Most people think Christianity is about rules and regulation, do's and don'ts. And I remember this, this song. I think the band was five-man electrical band. From, they were from Canada. And uh, 50 years ago, this song was released. 
Sign, sign, everywhere sign, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that, can't you read the sign? And that's like how a lot of us live Christianity. Do this, don't do that, you can't play poker, you can't dance, you got to wear skirts down to your ankles. So many rules and regulations. Now there's nothing wrong with modesty. In fact, I think it's a godly attribute, you know, I think we should, if we're godly, be modest. We don't want to tempt people. It's not a good thing to do. So just be reasonable. But it's like, I don't want to become a Christian because then I got to wear dresses down here. Not, not men, okay. <laughs> well, maybe these days, who knows? God help us. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> In reality, Christianity, here it is. It's knowing God. That's it. It's knowing God. The best way to know God is to read his word and to pray. What's praying? Talking to God and listening to him. Don't dominate the conversation. Stop after you've listed your wants and desires. I hope that you praised him first before you did that. And then listen, when you read the Word of God, if you're not, I don't get this, I don't get it, I can't can't understand the Word of God, well, get one of these Bibles, I'm going to show you right now, okay? You get, actually, these are for your kids, but they might be pretty good for adults, too, if you're not understanding exactly the concepts in the Bible. So this Bible is in comic book form, comic book form. Front to back, how many pages, Pastor Luke? 700 pages. It's got, okay, this is not the scriptures, the inspired word of God, but they glean the stories from the ideas in scripture, the accounts in scripture. And they put it where children from like kindergarten, first grade, second grade on up can check it out. And, you know, pictures help people understand things. They do. They just... They say pictures like a thousand words. And then there's another Bible. Both of these Bibles are $30 Bibles, but the church is, is uh, given, uh, selling them for $10 a piece. $10 a piece. Be a great gift for a grandchild or a son or a daughter. And uh, then there's this one, which is, I believe, the NIV. The NIV Action Study Bible. So there are some illustrations in it. This is Matthew talking to his 12 disciples, choosing his 12 disciples, and it's got little, little anecdotes in here for you. $10. $10. And they'll be out of guest services afterward. I, take advantage of this. And if we run out, uh, just put your name down. Get, let them take your name out there, and we'll order some more, and you'll have them in a week or so. Okay? I'll, I'll take them out there to guest services afterwards, and you can check them out. They may even have some out there. I'm sure they do. They're selling them. Study the Bible. And ask God to show you things in the Bible. And he will. It's to the glory of God to reveal things to kings, let alone us. But we're kings and priests, right? And queens. And priestesses. Is that it? (laughs) 
Make Bible study a family thing as well as a personal habit. Purchase a Bible trivia game. Those are great. And adults can learn from them too. I've played them and some of them are tough, man. I don't know all the answers. When we begin to understand what God has done for us, we'll be on our way to become true worshipers. True worship is the acknowledgement of God and His power and His glory in everything we do. It's the alpha and omega of our existence in Christ. We become true worshipers so we can reproduce true worshipers. Parents, God created us in His image. We are to fulfill our purpose in God by glorifying Him in all we do. And God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. That's what John Piper said many, many years ago, and it's always stuck. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. It's an automatic response. It's an automatic response. You don't have to think about doing these things. You just do them because that's who you are. And we best reproduce children who imitate us when we glorify God in all things. One last scripture here to share with you before we close. Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the idea of true worship. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Those are things that God has given us that we don't deserve. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. That's the, King, the New King James. The more modern translations say that is your spiritual act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to the world. How do we renew our mind? Bibles. We get it into our head. It flows to our heart. And don't forget to put on the armor of God, Christians. If you go out and it's a battle out there. You go out there without your armor, the helmet of salvation that's protecting your mind, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, all these tools that God gives us. He says, put it on. Don't forget to put it on. One last thing here. Christian life is found in God's love. When we let his love and life fulfill us, we'll be most satisfied. True joy will flow out of us. And when we allow ourselves to focus on doing or not doing, frustration will hinder us because each of us fails daily. Remember that the Lord is so passionately in love with us, with you, with me, that he has forgiven us and blessed us with all the things we talked about today, listed in Ephesians chapter 1. Build your life and your family on those truths. May the joy of the Lord and his great salvation be your strength today and in the future. Walk in the reality of who you are in Christ. Amen? We just got to walk. We got to walk. That's what humans do. That's what Christians do. We walk in Jesus. And I'll tell you what, that's what makes the best witnesses to your children and to a perishing world.
when you're satisfied in God. That's, that's, that's what you do. It's not sign, sign everywhere, sign. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the sign? No. It's loving God because he's done this for me. Amen? Let's bow our heads before the worship team comes. I just want to offer an opportunity for, if you've never given your life to Christ, seriously, if you've never said, by faith, Jesus, I need you. I want to be fully satisfied in you. I know you died for me. I just want to commit myself to you today and start walking in this truth that Pastor Steve just gave us today. Is there someone here who'd be courageous enough to raise their hand and say, pray for me. I, I, I want to pray to be saved. I want to become a Christian today. Anyone? Lift it up high so I can see it. The lights are bright. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't see a hand. Praise the Lord. We're all saved and going to heaven. That's, that's glorious news to me. The worship team's going to sing this song. And afterwards, you'll be dismissed.